0: what it says i am i have what it says i have say i choose to do what it says i can do say i have an open mind i have a teachable spirit from this moment forward say i'll never be the same shout it out never 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 in jesus name give somebody a high five tell them i mean it amen we are going to fight for family All four of us. No, we, we are. We're going to fight for family. You, you realize that family is under attack in, in our current society. The, the, the enemy doing everything he can. You know, there's three things the devil wants to rip from your grip. It's your future, your family, and your faith. Why? Well, because those three things, I've got to tell you something, the future that God has for you, it's amazing. God has a plan for you, a future for you. His, his, His plan isn't to harm you, but to prosper you, to increase you, to position you, to win and succeed in every given situation. He's got hope for your future. God's planned out your future. I said, God's planned out your future. Whatever you do, don't be living out of the past. God planned out your future. Let's get into that future. Amen? I don't know about you, but there's some stuff in the past I just don't want to do again. Yeah, and, and, and as good as some of it was, I don't even want to repeat that. I want the better things that God has in front, right? And, and, and the enemy's always trying to mess with your future, and one of the greatest strategies he has to do that is to attack the family. i got to tell you something, God loves family. Only two organization, organizations that are instituted by God, the church and family. So they're important to God. Family is important. You might be here today, and you might be thinking, oh, man, I come on a family day, and I'm single. You're part of this family. And, and you know, as, as we talk about relational issues, it's not just couples. It's everybody. And the reality is, is that whoever you are, just listen to me. We, we have a mandate to go after the enemy, to drive him out. You know, the, the word possess, uh, where, where he brought them out of bondage, and they were going in to possess the land. How many believe that God's called you to possess some land? Come on, hold your hand up. You believe that God's called you to possess some land? Some of you you don't believe that, or else your arms are really weak. We're gonna have a prayer line later. We'll pray for you. Lift up those heavy hands, right? That's the Bible. But the, but the, the word possess means to drive out the previous tenant, make him poor, and dwell in his place. Well, see, I think a lot of us think that God's gonna do everything. Well, He is through you. So you're gonna you're gonna have to get a backbone. You gotta get fired up a little bit. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. To get what God's got for you, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to get up off the pew, and you're gonna to have to go out and demonstrate Satan's defeat. Right? You have, you have the ability to to live a lifestyle that's an absolute humiliation to hell, and we believe that, and we're gonna we're gonna lead the families into dynamic victory in every realm. Of relationship and life. But we're going to have to fight for family. Because the, because the enemy... You know... You might think, well, I'm at a stage in life where I don't really need to take this serious. Your enemy's taking it serious. And he's messing with your future, with your family, which is sabotaging your faith. That ought to just irritate you a little bit. That a defeated devil is wreaking havoc in your part of the woods. Well, I think we ought to stop him. Hello? We have the ability to do it, and we're gonna do it. Amen? Everybody say amen. Amen. You know, here's what's going on in life. You know, to really find fulfillment in life, from a very early age, we start off in search and we're looking, we're looking for the one. Gonna find the one, the right one. You know, you, you know, li- little boys and little girls, and they're always looking for the one. And you know, the, the the that little girl, you know, she's got a picture of the perfect wedding in her mind, her entire life, and she's she's in search of the one. But check it out, what ha- what happens? You know, in in our own society, nearly seventy percent of married men and sixty percent of married women have affairs. In the U.S., less than half the couples who marry will stay married. For more than 15 years. Every 10 to 13 seconds, another couple divorces. 50% of first-time marriages, 70% of second-time marriages, 80% of third-time marriages end in divorce. That's both inside and outside the church. Hello. Why? Well, because marriage isn't easy. Hello? Look at your neighbor and say, marriage is not for sissies. If you're engaged to a sissy, break it off right now. You know, if that guy, listen to me, ladies, listen to me, ladies. If that guy that's dating you and telling you how beautiful your eyes are and how much he loves your hair, if he ain't got a job, kick him to the curb. Because before, before, God, gave, before God gave man a woman, he gave him a job. If he ain't working, you don't need him. Come on now. Uh, You you know, if if he ain't got no passionate drive in that arena, trust me, your future is going to be all messed up. Right? He ain't the right one. You you know, we're in search of the right one. The right one. Everybody say the right one. Can I just tell you this? And I hope you're writing stuff down and really paying attention. Because if you you just get this, if you got to go, you can leave in two minutes. If you get this. Only 3% of marriages, regardless of first time, second time, third time, fifth time, seventh time, only 3% of marriages end in divorce where the couples pray together. So you want to save your marriage? Stop fighting and pray together. Because if you pray together, you catapult yourself out of a 50 percentile into a 3 percentile. So the first question that you need to be asking your friends who are going through it, are you praying together? Are you praying together? And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, you know, I, you know, it's going through your mind. You, you might you may or may not ever verbalize this, but you're, you'll say stuff like, well, dude, I don't know how to pray. Well, then learn. You know, maybe that's what we need to talk about just for a second is get a backbone and pray. And ladies. Don't let him off the hook. Come on, call him on the carpet. Hey, sucker, come here. Spiritual leader, I know that you meant to pray with me. You must have forgot. So I'll make some time right now. Go. I'm serious, man. You know, back back, back in the day... Uh, I, I got a job one time, and, and, it, and it produced quite a bit of money for me, and I ended up selling cars, and I loved it, and I had to get out of the business because everybody I met ended up buying stuff. And, uh, but back in the day, I, w- I was doing a, a class for you know, at, a, at a car dealership, and I made the statement to the guys because one of the guys at that point, he asked me, and I was, I was pretty young. And when I was young, I was, I was arrogant. And, and, uh, uh, and, and the guy, he said, man, you think you know so much. You've never sold a car. And I said, I can sell a car to the next person that steps on this lot. Okay, game on. So we're, everybody's inside the showroom. All of these salesmen and this lady walks onto the car lot. And, and they said, there you go. And so I went out to the car lot and introduced myself to the lady. And I got down on my hands and knees underneath the Honda. And I said, get down here and look at this. She said, what? And I told the guys. I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. That person that comes on the lot, not only will I sell them a car, but I'll get them on their knees and I'll have them wave to you guys in the in, in the." And they're like, no way. So I'm about ready to make my biggest paycheck ever because of the wagers that we're on. And so I walked out to the lot, and I got on my hands and knees, and I asked that lady, he so said, would you get down here and look at underneath this car? Because you've got to check out what they've done to these new Hondas. I don't have a clue about mechanics. And she said, she looked at me and she said, what? And I just looked up over my shoulder. And I said, come here, come here, come here, get down, get down here. And So she gets down on her knees and she's looking under the car. And I said, would you do me a favor? Look, look, look at the showroom and wave. And she said, what? I said, look at the showroom and wave. And I just did this. I said, look at the showroom and wave. And she looked up. <laughs> Ladies, you can lead your husband to do the right thing. to pray and stand there till he prays and he's probably going to pray something like help me jesus and you're going to say good enough for today tomorrow get four more words you know double that and we're on you want to save your marriage pray together amen come on come on we're going to go to war we're going to go to war and fight for family so you're going to have to pray together Last week, great friends of ours were here, and they shared uh, principles, and, and and it was so good. And, and I just want to elaborate on his principles. If you didn't get uh, the the CD from last week, you need to so that you can sit at the table, you and your wife, take 10 minutes every day and go over one of those principles and, and apply it to your life. But, uh, you know, I want to elaborate on those principles. Principles and, and uh, the first principle, and not not the people who were here last night because you, you can shout it out now. I, I know you got it, but uh, you, you you were here last week. What remember the remember the four principles? Who remembers the first one? Shout it out. Priority. 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 What was the second one? Pursuit. What was the third one? Man, you guys are in trouble. He he, he called it possessions. What was the fourth one? Purity. Okay? You know what? If, If you can't rattle them off, then you're not giving thought and study to the truth you heard. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to make a point. If you don't give thought and study to the truth you hear, it won't have the power to produce anything in your life. And if you don't understand that families are under attack in our society, then you just need to be woken up. And if you're alert to that fact, then you know that you need to give thought and study the truth you hear regarding family so that you can be effective in the fight for family. I'm not going to let you off the hook. If you're going to go to church and sit and just listen and suck it in and, you know, get a free bottle of water and a cup of coffee, you're probably going to have to do that somewhere else because I'm going to be right on you to get you to apply yourself so that you are positioned to demonstrate Satan's defeat. Okay. He talked about priority, and he talked about you know, his wife being the priority, that, you know, and, and, and that's right, but I want to tell you why so many people who've spent their entire life looking for the right one and why so many good people end up in tragedy because they have the wrong one. And today, I, I just I need to bring you just one word of correction: Your number one priority, my number one priority is not Shelby. And Shelby's number one priority is not me. Our number one priority is God. Look at Matthew 22, 37. We're going to read it in the CEV. Jesus answered, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. It's love others as much as you love yourself. But in 37, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. You got your, your first priority is God. The best thing Shelby can do for me is to make God her number one priority. Because if she makes me her number one priority, now I've taken the position of God in her life. And i got to tell you something. I ain't that good. Hello? Come on now. All she's going to know is disappointment and defeat and breakdown. Why? Because that's, you know, without God. Guys, we need God to be our number one. Shelby's definitely my number two. But my priority is God. And I know some of you, you might be trying to win your wife's heart back to you or your or your husband. You want his attention and you want him to to, you're trying to win him. No, you don't want to win your spouse to you. You want to win your spouse to God. You want to direct their attention to God. If they're living for God correctly, trust me, you're going to be happy. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be fulfilled. Peace is coming to your house. See, Isaiah 32:18. most of us should be able to quote this. My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. My people. God said, my people. This is how my people dwell. If there's not peace in your home, it's because you ain't his people. You, your people. And when he is on the throne, peace is coming. So you've got you to get God first. Which means your spouse is going to be second. Uh, you know, it's in in interesting how the enemy works. Because if he can't get you to make life all about you, then he'll get you to make life about everybody else. And so you'll spend all your time, effort, resource, and energy trying to please people. Anybody ever done that? Don't respond. They might be right there next to you. And you're trying your hardest to please people who cannot be pleased. Now, as good as they are, as nice as they are, as well-meaning as they are, you can't please people. You can't keep them happy forever. Come on. You know, uh, last week he, he talked about uh, words and, and gifts and that it's like the man of principle. It expires at midnight. Some of us, our clocks, you know, we're in totally different time zones. Good things expire like 15 minutes. It's just gone. You you can't live to please others. You've got to live to please God. And when you're pleasing God, you know what will happen is you'll end up treating your spouse the way God would have you do that. Because that's what would please God. So you're not going to lose anything by directing the attention of your spouse or any other relationship towards God. You need to be praying together. Here's something you can pray together about. You know, you don't know how to pray, guys. Just just take your wife by the hand in the morning before you leave the house and say, Okay, God, here we go. We're going to go out and mess some stuff up. So help us. Father, help Shelby in her pursuit of you. And, and as you become her number one priority, help her, Father. Help me to remember you're my number one priority. And we just trust the Holy Spirit will come behind us and clean up whatever messes we make today. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tonight. Pray together that God becomes the number one. He's your top priority. Listen to me. You're not married yet. Make God your priority. Not finding a spouse. Pray for your future spouse. God already knows who it is. He's already working on it. So trust Him. And just make God your number one priority. Priority. In your business. Your business success is not your first priority. Your first priority is that God be number one in your life. Because when he's number one, he's going to position you to win and succeed in every situation. He's got a plan. It's to prosper you. You don't got to worry about the prosper part. You got you to focus on the plan. You, you just, if it's the will of God... for for you to succeed then just stay in the will of god don't worry about success just stay in the will of god and build that relationship with god you're gonna have to talk to god you got to get in the word of god but you got to make god first look at your neighbor say make god first exodus 20 verse 3 you shall have no other gods before or beside me you know in genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. For this reason, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. The word leave means to loosen, to relinquish, to let go of what you once were holding to, and commit to something else. You know, I, I, I think uh, the vow that we need to make You know, these principles can become like vows for us today, and today we're going to do communion at the end, and and we're we're going to renew our covenant relationship with God. But I think the first vow that we ought to make is that I promise that God will be my number one priority, that God's going to be my number one. And when he is, then husbands, you're going to love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and you're going to die you're going, to, you're going to give yourself. Why? Well, because that's, got, that's the will of God. And God's going to lead you to do that. And wives, you're going to submit to your husband Why? Because that's the will of God. And that's what His Word says to do. But we've got to seek first. Look at Matthew six thirty three Seek first. Aim at it. Strive after it. His kingdom. His way of doing and being right. Then all that other stuff is going to be taken care of. It'll be given to you beside. He'll handle all that stuff. You keep Him first. Pray every day. God be number one in my life. Pray together. Pray for your spouses out there somewhere, that, so that they will have a, a, a godly priority. But I got to ask you, you know, if we followed you around and you didn't know it, what would we say is your number one priority? I think every every single one of us. We need to check ourselves and say, okay, I need to get back to the place where God, you're number one in my life. And we need to be willing to make the necessary changes that will ensure that God's my number one, Shelby's my number two. And if anything's out of alignment, then I've got to change. I'm not going to ask Shelby to change. I'm not going to expect God to change. I'm going to change. And whatever it is, I'm going to do it. So that God's number one, Shelby's number two. Well, not Shelby in your life, I'm just talking about my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, he, he talked about pursuit, did a great job on pursuit. I just wanted to mention this to you, that it's nature that we pursue things we don't have. Which means we overlook things we do possess. We, we, we pursue things that we we, we we notice everything that's missing instead of everything that we've got. This is a real dilemma for us because God has already given us. The Bible says that He has already given us all things that pertain to God uh, life and godliness. In other words, you have uh, the CEV says that God has given you everything you need. You already have everything you need to live a life that's absolutely pleasing to God. You don't you, you don't need something. I, I know we're all under the pressure that we know what we need. We need a new job. We need a new car. We need a new house. We need new shoes. We, we need a, you know, a, a new something. Here's the deal. What you need is patience. The Bible says, for you have need of patience. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Right? Don't throw away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You got, what's your confidence based on? The word of God. You just need to be able to stand there on that word. and Quit looking out there at stuff and trying to figure out what you don't have. And look at what you've been blessed with. And celebrate that. You know, when, when, you, when you started with each other, you pursued one another. I remember going to bed every night so tired because Shelby had chased me so hard that day. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, it says a man's going to leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, be united. That means to catch by pursuit. To pursue hard with affection and devotion. The word's translated several times in the Bible. In Psalm 63, it says, I will follow close behind you. Job 41, 17, they are joined fast to one another. They cling together, cannot be parted. Judges 20, 45, they pursued hard after them. You know, I think what we do is we have a tendency to judge everybody else by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. No, you, you need to be a pursuer. Of God and your spouse. Right? You've got to pursue your number one. Who's that? God. You've got to be a God chaser and a spouse chaser. You've you got to, you know, whatever relationship you're in, you've got to go at it. I want to give you just a couple of things that will help. Number one, especially for the men. Come on, guys. Wake up, get smart. When you think something's good, say it. A lot of you guys, you know, I talk to you and, and, and you know, in every relationship can have those moments and we talk and we, you know, and if we were sitting, you know, over at Espresso World drinking a cup of coffee and you you, you tell me all this stuff, you're thinking, no, don't just think it, say it. Tell her, you look good. Hello? Ladies, say it. L- listen to Hebrews 3.13. You must encourage one another every day. You must encourage one another every day. Keep on while well, there's still time to be called today. If you don't, you're going to sin, and you're going to be fooled, and you're going to become stubborn. Now don't tell me you've already reached that point. So back up out of your stubbornness and realize that you've got to encourage people every day day you know mad monday mad mad make a difference we're not actually encouraging you to go through town ticked off we're, we're asking you to go make a difference on monday hook up with another family and, and have some accountability let's go do something let's find somebody to bless today well the bible says that the people who are working against you bless them so there go find somebody who's irritated with you and you be a blessing to them you know do something make a difference make a difference. The, It shouldn't just be the first Monday of the month. It needs to be every day in your house. Say something good. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Number two, when you think something special, do it. So, when you think something good, say it. When you think something special, do it. Look at James 4.17. Anybody who knows what is right to do, But doesn't do it to him, it's sin. So if you know what would be an encouragement to your spouse, what would bless your friend, and you don't do it, you're missing the mark. Why are relationships such an easy target for the enemy? Because we're so not smart. We're, we walk through life in a, in a stupor, in a state of ignorance. And you know what? We could bless each other. It would be so easy to do. We are really gifted at pointing out faults. Well, how about you have a paradigm shift? And ser- instead of searching for faults like it's a hidden treasure, search, search for good things that you can say to somebody else, that you can build up relationships. You, you know, Philippians 2 in the message, it says, you know, love each other, agree with each other, be deep-spirited friends. Be deep- spirited friends, but you know what rips families apart and and, and communities apart There's all the stupid little stuff that we can find that well they, you know they don't do that and I don't like the way they do that and I did that and in reality we ought, we ought to be people who are on the other side of that coin that are just constantly pointing out the best. You know you did that before you were married. When when you came in, and if it wasn't with me, with whoever it was, because I've had them come in to me, and, and, you know, premarital counseling, okay, list five things your future spouse should probably consider prayerfully and and, and go to work at changing. Oh, there's nothing. He can change anything. (laughs) Oh, come on, there's always something. No, you don't understand. She is like God, she's perfect. Six months later, their list of things, it looks like a Portland, Oregon phone book. (laughs) But before, before, oh yeah, before, oh, it's just everything, everything's perfect, everything's good. Okay, so go back to that book and celebrate those things again. Talk about them. Encourage those things. See, what you didn't realize is what came with those things. Well, overcomers have got to be overlookers. It's the same in every relationship. People come to the church and they and they, they always... Man, you know, they'll come in, Oh, I love how you just get right in our face and you tell us the truth and you give us Bible and it's so awesome until I'm talking to them. And they make statements like, I don't need you to give me Bible. Just want to choke them out for Jesus. We, 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 we are fickle. But if we mature... We grow through that. See, there's stuff There's stuff that makes Shelby and I different. <laughs> a lot of it. And, and those differences complete us. They don't, we, we, we're not going to compete over them. Because that just wouldn't be smart. So we have to remind ourselves, okay, here are the things. And I'm going to be an encourager. And I'm going to be a blesser. And, and, and I'm going to pursue every day. Because Christ is a, he's a pursuer. You know, it's hanging on the wall, Luke 15, 4. If any one of you had, you know, a hundred sheep, ninety-nine, and lost one, what would you do? You go chase that one. God's a pursuer. Well, be like God. And get in pursuit. Pursue relationships that matter. Go after it. And if it doesn't matter, quit complaining. For lack of time, I'll just keep moving. Number three. He called possessions. I want you to read name it. I want it to be partnership. Because I don't want you just to think about these, the vow that you're making, that, it, that it's just about possessions. No, it's, it's partnership. Look at uh, Genesis 2.24. Remember, a man shall leave his father and mother, and they shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. It, to, it means to be united, to be all together, completely joined as one. Here's the deal. Is marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. See, your, your deal with God is a covenant. It's not a contract. See, it, it is a spiritual union, which is why you can't take secular principles and apply them and be successful. You've got to use biblical principles, because it's a spiritual union. See, a contract is something that two or more individuals enter into based upon mutual distrust. There's a reason we do a contract. It's because I need something that I can use to back me up because I know that if you get the opportunity, you ripping me off. Hello? That's contract. A covenant is something that two or more individuals enter into based upon mutual commitment. It's a commitment. Remember back here, just a few weeks ago, we, 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 some of the points that I gave that day were, number one, you, do ne- you never have to pray about what God's already spoken about. Why? Well, because he spoke it. don't have to pray. You, you never have to perfectly consider doing something that would violate a godly or biblical principle. I mean, let me tell you just how crazy we are. We, we act like we need to pray about doing what God's Word tells us to do. Or we have a special deal with God... We don't have to do it because I was praying and God told me I didn't need to do what His Word says to do. You're an idiot. you got to live holy because the Bible says live holy. Well, you you don't understand. No, you you ain't getting it. You, you won't get off. When you stand before God, you ain't getting off the hook. Well, I don't know if if I need to tithe on this money. Well, the Bible says that you bring a portion of all the increase. Deuteronomy about what? 28. You know, Malachi. You know the scriptures. But I've had people tell me that uh, they they asked God if they needed to tithe that money. He told them no. You ain't talking to God. Well, you just want my money. I don't work on commission. I don't get your money. And if you don't want to tithe, don't. But don't say, God said, I don't have to. Because you're a liar. Because I got it in the book where he told all of us how we're supposed to do it. Amen. Amen. Sorry. I know you, you don't like me. Well, I ain't real thrilled about you. <laughs> because here's the deal. is It says what to do in the book. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you what the book says. Husbands. You don't have to pray and ask God, how, how am I supposed to treat my wife? He told you. So do it. Suck it up. It says husbands, which is a man. In the, in the Bible, what, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's just the Bible. Well, oh, you better be careful because, you know, in our society, I'm sorry. Well, let, let's just talk. I got enough time. Let's just talk. Because you might be wondering, where do we stand on homosexuality? Doesn't God love homosexuals? Well, of course he does. Well, they were born that way. Okay. I I wasn't. So my passionate desire is for women. Another guy says he was born a homosexual. His passionate desire is for other men. Okay. Here's the deal. God still says, I have to control my passionate desire. And he told me to go after that woman. Not all women, and God's, you know, His command to that man, he's got to bring his passionate desire under control as well. Hello, we we don't, we're not going to consider accepting something that's contrary to the Word of God. That's biblical, godly principles. Sorry, He wrote the book; I didn't. And if it doesn't fit secular society, well, that sucks. Well, well, how are we, we act like it's some big debatable thing? It ain't. No, we got the Bible. We just live in Bible, and this is what gets us all screwed up in our marriages because you're under the impression. Well, my wife didn't do what she should do, so therefore I'm really. No, you're not. You 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 might be saying, well, I can't submit to him. He's an idiot, and we might actually agree, but the Bible still says, ladies, submit to him. Put him first. And you're going to have to trust God that if he's truly an idiot, that God, by his spirit, can even talk to an idiot. He talked to an ass in the Bible. He can talk to your husband. (laughs) Better move on. (laughs) Next week, the church is built up to seven. Okay. Why? Because you're in a covenant based relationship with your number one. Which is built on mutual commitment. It's a commitment. Before you get married, don't get a tattoo that says love. Get one that says commitment. If you're gonna, if you're gonna ink your body, get commitment. Get committed. I'm never changing. I'm never leaving. I'm, I'm standing here. Divorce is not in my vocabulary. And I know some of you guys, you, you know. You, No condemnation. You're already, you know, in a different marriage. Look, start today and get committed. And believe God that because of your commitment and your your, your covenant with Him, that when you do what He said, He'll produce what He promised, just like He always does. And let Him change you from the inside out. Somebody say, amen. Amen. Where am I? Number four? Okay, number four. Purity. In Genesis 2, we read about the man leaving. They were both naked and they were not ashamed. Everybody say not ashamed. In Genesis 3, right away, starting at verse 7, right away, they saw what they had done. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together to make something to cover themselves. And late in the afternoon, a breeze began to blow, and the man and the woman heard the Lord God walking in the garden. They were frightened, and they hid. And the Lord called out to the man and said, Where are you? And the man answered and said, I was naked, and when I heard you walking through the garden, I was frightened, and I hid. Can Can I just tell you today that shame is a strategy of the enemy to destroy relationships. And what happens is you experience something that's painful or sinful, you connect what happened to who you are, and you believe the only way to be safe now is to hide it. You go through an experience, and you think it changes who you are. Who you are is not based upon the experiences that you've been through. We've all done some dumb stuff. We've all been through stuff that we had no control over, and we've all had stuff that we had all control over, and neither one of them were very good. But that doesn't define who we are, because we are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new species altogether. Old things passed away. Behold, all things fresh and new. Fresh and new, so so can I, just, can I just share this with you? We're out of time, but just let me share this with you how do, how do, I, how do I break the power of shame? Well, number one, you confess, you know bring out into the light what's been hiding in the darkness. secrecy promotes guilt. The longer you hide it, the more guilty you feel, the more guilty you feel, the more you try to hide it, and, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and pretty soon you're in, the, you're in it so deep, bring it out in the open. Confess uh, the Bible here. I got a scripture for you. James five sixteen. Confess to one another. Therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. Well, why would James say that? Well, because you're going to have faults. You're going to have slips. You're going to have false steps. You're going to have offenses and you're going to have sins. If you have never needed to confess in a relationship, you have deceived yourself. If every problem in relationship is always somebody else, (laughs) we just found out what the problem is. Confess. Why? Because you're going to screw it up. You're going to make mistakes. Hello? And then pray for one another. Isn't that funny? You know, King James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. We do it backwards. We confess one for another and then pray one to one another. We tell everybody what you did. And then when we get in prayer meeting, we don't pray. We preach. Oh, God, help them, because you know the sin that they've committed. You know how they've offended me, God. They never should have done what they've done. You know how wrong they are, Lord. You're not praying. You're building your case. Keepeth thy mouth shutteth. Confess. Confess. Can I tell you, you who are being confessed to, don't act like you ain't never done the same stuff. So, receive and release grace. Would you be a giver of grace? But you don't understand what he did. The point is not what he did. It's what we're going to do. It's not what she said. It's what we're going to say. At some point, we got to actually act like believers. Guess we're gonna have to forgive. Come on Wednesday night. We're going through the bait of Satan. Well, I missed a few. They're all independent, totally independent. You, you'll be blessed. You know what? I, you know what we're gonna do? I, th- I think I should just make it make make the decision that when we get to the end, it's week, It's like week twelve. What will we do then? We're gonna do it again. I'm sitting here, sitting here. This is my fourth time through it. I'm sitting here Wednesday night, and I'm taking notes like a wild man. And I'm think, and I'm actually pretty good at this. You know, uh, uh, sitting down and listening to a message, I come out with seven messages. Pretty good at finding the seven, And I'm finding the seven. I'm just typing like crazy. And I'm looking around the room, and you guys, you know, you're here. Let's do it again. And let's let's defuse the bomb that the enemy's trying to plant to, to blow up relationships. So if you got hidden sin, confess it. If you're hearing about it, release grace. And next, pray together. Pray. Pray. Jesus said to his disciples, could you not tarry one hour? Could I say to mine, could you not tarry for two minutes? Come on. Somebody comes to you and they say, look, man. I did it again. I forgive you. Let's pray. Father, release us from this thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's go. And let's, let's, get, let's, let's do it right. You know, confess, release grace. Pray and then commit, commit to living healthy, not broken. Four vows. Four vows. I think every couple here, every single here, every individual, all of us, as we go to the table today, and and as you go, and in just a moment, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna go ahead and get the stuff ready. And and, uh, when you get to the table, just take the emblems and, and and, you know, come in one way and go out the other. You know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not like we got twenty thousand people. There's just a few of us. We can make it. You know, go around there and come back and get, get, get with somebody and pray together and, and renew. Covenant relationship with God. God, we we promise you're going to be number one in our life. Our spouse is going to be number two. God, we promise to always pursue both of you. God, we promise that our relationship will not be about me, but it will be about we. And God, we promise to confide in you, not hide from you. I want you to go to the table today and realize that the relationship that God has with you, the covenant that he has with you, is based on commitment. He hasn't broken his. But many of us we didn't set out to, but we've broken ours. And today, you get to make it right. You don't need a lot of fanfare and you don't need a, you know, but the reality is is that you can go to the table today and you can make it right. But just before we go to the table, i got a question for you. Are you right with God to begin with? Is God a vital part of your life in reality? Are, are you on the right path? Do you have relevant relationship with God? I'm not asking you, do you attend church? Duh. I'm asking you, is God number one in your life? I, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a minute. All of us are going to pray a prayer. And if you're here today and your life is separated from God, you don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, before we even go to the table today, I just feel I I just feel led by the spirit of God to invite you to relevant relationship with a loving father. Are you here? We're all going to pray. I don't want to embarrass you and I'm not going to call you out. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to make this prayer my prayer. Would you just hold your hand up real high? Say, it's me. I I need God in my life. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to renew and revive relationship with my Father today. Just hold your hand up real high. We're all going to pray. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. You can put them down. Anybody else? This is me. Pastor, this is me. I, I, I I need God in my life. I don't want to live without God. Thank you. I don't want to live without God in my life. I want God. All He has to offer me, I'm ready today to surrender my life and exchange it for His life. I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need You. I need Your love. I need Your acceptance. I need Your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me strength, Lord. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's stand. Give the Lord one more praise this morning. He's worthy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We celebrate you today. We celebrate you today. Hallelujah. Take just a couple of minutes, make your way to the table, get the emblems, go back with somebody, connect with another family, pray together. Renew the covenant relationship. God, you're number one. God, we're chasing after you. God, this is about us, not me, but it's about you. And Father, we're never going to hide. We're never going to hide. We're always going to confide in you. Amen? Go for it, guys, and we love you.